Have you ever had a time in your life where things were so overwhelming that you couldn't sleep? You tossed and you turned and you thought about it and you wrestled with it and you just couldn't fall asleep. Or maybe times where you were so preoccupied with a problem or with something, that, an issue that you were facing that you didn't seem to be able to function. You couldn't think of anything else. Issues in your life that seem to dominate every waking thought. Now, some of you are sitting there going, that's called every day. <laughs> uh, but what I've just described to you is called anxiety. And worry and anxiety are two things that the Bible has quite a bit to say about. And neither one of them has any place in the life of a follower of Jesus. In fact, I would go so far to say that you can't live the kind of life God wants you to live if you have worry or anxiety as a regular part of your life. You can't live the kind of life that God wants you to live. So let me address something right up front. Worry and anxiety are different from concern or excitement. You can be excited about something and be thrilled with the anticipation of a moment, butterflies in your stomach or adrenaline before a race. That's not the same as anxiety, okay? You can be concerned about something, like preparing for retirement, I want, I'm concerned, I want to make sure that I'm prepared for retirement or saving for college for your kids or keeping some extra toilet paper on hand like we learned last spring. Uh, and make plans to address those potential issues. That is not the same as worry, okay? It's when our worries or our concerns become all-consuming and debilitating, really, that we have moved into the realm of anxiety. And you really wouldn't be far off if you called worry a universal addiction in our society. It really has become that. Paul understood our natural tendency to become anxious about things. He knew that anxiety is one of the greatest thieves of the rich, full, and abundant life that Jesus intended for us to live and modeled for us. And so Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Now, I just want to stop real quickly before I continue to read. You've heard me say this before. Anytime you see all inclusive or all exclusive words in scripture, something important is being said. Anything, everything, always, never. Anytime you see words like that, something really significant is being said. And so here Paul says, don't worry about anything. Not most things, only worry once in a while. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, the first thing that I want you to understand from this passage is that the Bible is clear that worry is wrong for a follower of Jesus. Worry is wrong for a follower of Jesus. And that's straight from the pages of Scripture. Do not worry. Paul did not say worry really isn't a very good idea. 
Paul said, do not worry about anything. And just to get to the bottom line, when the Bible tells us not to do something and then we do it, there's a three-letter word for that. And if you're still unsure, it starts with S and it ends with N and I am right in the middle of it. Worry is sin because we are disobeying a scriptural principle when we worry or have anxiety. But it can be, it can be irritating sometimes when people tell us not to worry, can it? I mean, it's so easy for someone to say, oh, don't worry about that. It's a lot harder to do. And don't you sometimes feel that the person who's telling you not to worry about something is the one who really doesn't get what you're going through? Uh, because if they did, they would be worried too. Uh, but, you know, we have to understand that when somebody tells us not to worry, at least from a scriptural, if they're coming from a scriptural foundation and they're saying, hey, don't worry about that because, and they lead us to a passage like this, then there's foundation to what they're saying. The problem is when somebody says, oh, don't worry about it, it's no big deal. Well, that's not true. It is a big deal. There's lots of big deals in our life. And there's big deals that should cause us to think about and plan for and try to understand what's happening and try to predict where things are going so we can prepare for what is coming down the road. But that doesn't mean we need to be anxious or worry. We need to understand it isn't just Paul who tells us not to worry either. In Matthew 6, Jesus condemns worry. He says worry is foolish, and when we worry, it shows that we don't have confidence in the person, character, and ability of God. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Jesus slams the door here on worry. So why is worry wrong? Jesus gives us several reasons why worry is wrong. The first thing is that worry puts the focus on the wrong issues. When we worry, our perspective gets off. We start to think differently than God intended for us to think. We begin to focus on things that are secondary. And in the process, we lose sight of what is really important. We start to focus on now instead of on eternity. Worry distorts our thinking. When we worry, we tend to look at situations kind of through a magnifying glass and, and it makes things bigger than they really are because we start to, to see things differently and our perspective gets skewed. Now, the second thing that Jesus says is that worry causes us to lose sight of who we belong to. Jesus argues that God is more than capable of taking care of us. We are his and he will provide. He cares for the birds, the flowers, and the animals. And when we worry, we show that we think we are less important to God than all of those things. And we aren't. God will take care of you. Jesus tells us that God knows what we need 
And because God knows what we need, he will take care of his children. In another teaching about prayer, Jesus says this in Matthew 7, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? God knows what you need. And scripture is clear that when we trust him instead of relying on our own strength, and that's the key, he will provide for what we need. God will provide. When we are anxious, when we worry, it shows that we really aren't trusting God, at least in that moment. At least not how we are supposed to. It means that either I believe God is not capable of providing for me, or God does not care enough to provide for me. And neither of those is true. So when we realize that we're beginning to be consumed by anxiety, and anxiety can do that, it can consume you from the inside out. It can eat you up inside. We need to ask ourselves an important question in those moments. Do I trust God or don't I trust God? Because worry is an indicator that at least in that moment, we are not trusting God. The third reason that Paul prohibits worry for followers of Jesus is that worry is a worthless activity. Worry is a worthless activity. Nothing comes from it. It changes nothing. It solves nothing. Jesus said, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And the answer is obviously no here. It can't add anything to your life. In fact, worry takes away from our life expectancy. A study found that people dealing with even slight anxiety, okay, meaning that sometimes they stayed awake at night worrying or had trouble concentrating on tasks because of their worry, they were about 20% more likely to die over a 10-year period compared to people who didn't. 20% more likely to die than those who didn't worry. Worry is wasted energy. There is nothing productive about worry. It leads to nowhere. Worry hinders us rather than helps us. It paralyzes rather than energizes us. And worst of all, worry prevents us from being able to address the issues that we can and should be doing something about. It shuts us down. And especially when it comes to, to kingdom opportunities that we have around us, when we're anxious and we're worried, we don't see those things because we're turned inward. We're only looking at what affects us instead of the opportunities that God may be bringing us to make a difference in someone else's life. You can't live on mission for God with worry in your driver's seat. Okay, so worry is wrong. What do we do about it? How do we fix this? How do we change the way we approach the problems and the stressors in our lives? How do we fight this very human tendency to worry? Paul tells us that our primary weapon against worry is prayer. Our primary weapon against worry is prayer. He tells us to pray about everything. And he doesn't give us any exceptions here. In other words, there is no problem, there is no circumstance, there is no situation that can't and shouldn't be brought to God in prayer. Always, about everything, bring it to God in prayer. And there is a, there is a supernatural aspect to bringing something 
and giving it over to God. There's something supernatural that takes place because this is a biblical principle and God has set this as the way things are that when we bring something to God, something supernatural is unlocked. And we need the supernatural, don't we? Especially in this area because you cannot will yourself out of worry. You can't will yourself out of worry. You can't decide to not be anxious. What you can do is make the decision to pray, to pursue God's solution for our struggles. And when we turn towards the God solution, he provides the God answer. We need the God answer to the struggles that we're facing in life. But there's also a practical side to bringing it to God in prayer. Rather than talk to ourselves and get ourselves all worked up, worry is like, you know, worry is kind of like wearing a groove in the snow or the mud with your tires. You know, the more you spin the tires, the deeper and slicker the rut becomes and the more difficult it becomes to get out of that. Worry does that exact same thing in our lives. The more we spin those tires of worry, it digs down deeper and it becomes harder and harder to move forward and to get out of that mess. So instead of talking to ourselves, we're commanded to talk to God about it. When you start to get yourself churning over something, it's time to hit your knees. It's time to take it to him in prayer. And Paul tells us that there's two different elements to this prayer when we bring our anxiety to God. The first is asking. He says in verse six, tell God what you need. Now that seems pretty straightforward, doesn't it? But why don't we do it then? If the Bible says, tell God what you need when you're stressed, when you have anxiety, why don't we immediately go to God? I can't tell you how many times I've been in a conversation with someone who's struggling in a, in a significant area of their lives and they're asking me for advice and they're coming to me and they're, they're talking about it. And I ask them, have you prayed about this? And the answer that comes back is no. And guys, I just want to remind you, God needs to be our first option rather than our last resort. Don't wait until the wheels are falling off the truck to turn to God in prayer. Don't wait until every other option has been exhausted before we lift things up to God in prayer. We sometimes wait until there's no hope before we turn to God. And that's not what the Bible teaches. If you start to get anxious, if you start to worry, hit your knees and turn to God and bring it to him. James 4 verses 2 and 3. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Get this. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. And we try everything to address our problems except the one thing that can help more than anything else, and that is prayer. We don't have because we don't ask or because we're asking for the wrong things with the wrong motives. And not only are we told to ask, that's the first thing Paul says, hey, ask, bring it to God. Paul also tells us how we are to ask, what those prayers should look like. He says, with thanksgiving. Paul says to tell God what you need, and then he says immediately, and thank him 
for all that he has done. So there's two sides to that. On one side, it's the correct way to ask for something with, you know, thanking for what they're doing for you, especially from the God of the universe. We need to come with thanks. It's the difference between a child who says, give me this, I want that, and the child who says, may I have this, please, thank you so much. There's a big difference between asking in those two different ways. But the second side to that is that we need to thank him for the answer to the prayer we just prayed, okay? Not for what he's done in the past, for God's stellar track record. We, we do need to thank him for that. We need to praise him for his goodness, for the things he has done, absolutely. But in this case, we need to come with expectation and thank God for the expected result. So if you prayed for healing, you need to thank him for the healing that he's going to bring. When we pray, we need to be confident that God will provide what is best for us. We bring the need to him and then trust that God knows the best way to meet that need. God is the expert that we turn to. We make a request and then we trust in his wisdom and in his power and in his knowledge and God brings the answer. So if God shows you something in prayer that you need to do, do it. If he shows you his advice in the Bible, follow it. If there's something you need to repent of, confess it. And if God simply tells you to trust him, do it. To fight worry, we need to thankfully give God our problem, confident that he is willing and able to help us. So don't hang on to anxiety and worry for one more second in your life. Some of you are consumed with worry and anxious thoughts. Bring it to God. In fact, if you really dig into what the Bible says, we're not supposed to bring it. We're supposed to throw it. Go ahead. Chuck your worry at God. Listen to these two verses. Psalm 55, 22. Give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. And then 1 Peter 5, 7. Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Now, in both of these verses, the word translated give in the New Living here is the same word used for flinging a fishing net out into the water. Cast it, hurl it, throw it away from you. We need to aggressively give our worry to God. Throw it away. Give it to God. This leads us to the promise that Paul gives. He tells us what will happen if we stop worrying and instead we start turning to God with faith and with trust. In Philippians 4, 7, he says, then after you've done this, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So, Understand, we are not told that all our problems will go away, are we? He doesn't say, hey, if you do this, everything will be better. You won't have issues, you won't have struggles. No, he doesn't say that at all. Sometimes God does not put out the fire. Sometimes God walks through the fire with you. We aren't told that we will even immediately understand the circumstances that we're facing or that we're in the middle of. We aren't even told that the problem won't seem to get worse before it gets better on the other side. We are told that the inner chaos and the worry and the anxiety will be replaced with peace. When we turn to God, 
worry gives way to faith. When we turn to God, worry gives way to faith. Anxiety transforms into a confidence that God is in control and he will do what's best. You see, peace, peace is not just the absence of anxiety. God doesn't just take our worry away. That's, that's not what it says. He replaces it with peace. He replaces it with something that will guard us. It will protect us from anxiety in the future. It inoculates us from fear and worry. And there are no harmful side effects from this inoculation either. Anxiety and peace are separated by prayer. Okay? Paul teaches us that if you are anxious, you pray and then you will have peace. Prayer is the vehicle that transforms our minds and our hearts and our souls and takes us from this realm of anxiety and worry and moves us to this God-given peace that can only come from him. And this peace goes beyond our understanding. It's not something we can wrap our minds around or comprehend. It is a supernatural peace that he gives us. It doesn't make sense. When your circumstances dictate that you should be pulling a chicken little and running around yelling that the sky is falling, we can calmly trust that God will see it through. It is, it is a peace which Christ has purchased on the cross for us. He came to redeem us and our fallen self reacts to our circumstances and our situations with negative thoughts and, and anxiety and worry and stress and all these things. But Jesus came to redeem us from that, to set us apart from that, to replace that. Our sinful nature is replaced with the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace. And God wants you to experience that peace instead of the anxiety, the worry, and the stress. So how can we have peace in the middle of the storms of life? What is it about turning to the Lord in worshipful, confident, and grateful prayer that brings calm in the chaos? Well, we are reminding ourselves as we pray, and you've heard me talk about this, when we pray, God changes us even more than he changes our circumstances. One of the greatest things that happens when we pray is that God rewrites our heart. He transforms the way we think. That's why Romans 12 tells us to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that happens as we pray, as we worship, as we spend time in his presence. And we're reminding ourselves as we pray that God is great, he's able, and God is good, he's willing. That he is both able and willing to intervene. It's like the old Allstate commercials, you know. We remind ourselves that we are in good hands with God. When we remember what God is able to do, it helps us to have peace. Let's take an example. Suppose you have recently had a medical test. Okay, something was wrong. You haven't felt well. You're concerned that something may be seriously wrong. And so you go to have a test. And, and really, you're not concerned something may be wrong. You are worried. 
You are downright stressed out. You have anxiety. You can't sleep as you obsess about the test and the coming results. You recognize the chaos that is building inside of you and you go and you find a place to spend some time with God. You don't just utter this quick kind of cursory prayer. You actually spend time with God talking about this situation. You confess your anxiety. You confess your worry and ask God to forgive you for it. You ask God for help. You tell him that you know that he loves you and that you trust him. And you keep telling him this until you feel that inner transformation taking place. Suddenly, you are reminded of several things. You're reminded that the God who loved you enough to send his son for your salvation is not going to abandon you now. You're reminded that God's wisdom is far superior to anything this world can offer you. And you realize that this crisis is an opportunity to demonstrate your trust and faith in his wisdom and his authority. You're reminded of God's power. It's a power to change our circumstances or to help us through the worst of circumstances. You're reminded that even if the worst case scenario came true, you have cancer and your life ends soon. This life is not all there is. There is more to life than existence. You're reminded that it is not how long you live that mattered, but how faithfully you live while you're here. So as a result of this time of prayer, you now have peace on the other side of it. You want the test results to show that there is no problem and there's nothing wrong with that. You want everything to be the way that is most comfortable for you. That's natural. But you know that even if it doesn't turn out that way, even if it's different than our optimal, God has good things in store for you. He knows what he is doing and he can handle it. You've met some of these folks, haven't you? People who have, they face disease, they face death and all kinds of difficult circumstances, not with a sense of resignation, but with confidence. There is a difference. One says, there's nothing I can do about it, I guess, so I'll just have to live with it. That's resignation. These people can become negative and withdrawn and depressed. The other group says, there's nothing I can do but God will do what's best and I will trust him. That person lives without fear. They even face death joyfully and faithfully. And they do all this because their focus is on the Lord and not themselves or on their circumstances. So here's the question that we all have to answer. Is there anxiety that is robbing you of joy today, right now? While I talked about worry, while I talked about anxious thoughts, did you find your mind drifting to the problem that is weighing on your heart? Have you had trouble concentrating because of the anxiety that just seems to be smothering you like a blanket? If so, that's you, it's time to do a few things. First, it's time to repent. It's time to confess that you have been living as if either God doesn't care or isn't capable of helping you. Face the issue head on. Ask yourself, do I believe or don't I? And go to God in prayer and ask for his forgiveness if you've been having thoughts that are unbiblical. The second thing is it's time to pray. It's time to get alone and open your heart to the Father. Don't pretend. Instead, tell him what you are really concerned about. Be honest. The best prayer you can pray is a raw, 
open prayer to God. Don't stop with superficial one-liners. Make your requests known to God. As you pray, thank him for his faithfulness. Thank him that, for, that he has proven himself in the past. Thank him for his willingness to help. Thank him for his wisdom and his grace. Thank him for how he is working in your situation right now and for what he is working out for the future. And finally, live with peace. It's time to rest in his arms. It's time to leave the future with the Lord. It's time to give him our worries, throw our worries at him so we can experience the joy that comes from his peace. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Now, I want to end the message today. I want to read a section from a devotional that I really enjoy. And I read this this week and it just jumped out at me and I just thought it was really appropriate to end the message today with. So I'm going to read this. I think it comes down to a simple question. Is God enough for you? If you had nothing but God, would that be enough? If not, I challenge you to reconsider if you are actually a follower of Jesus. If you want more than the perfect peace and presence of God, then you are seeking things outside his will. God's will is simple. Do what he told us all to do so he will be glorified and his kingdom will come to be on earth as it is in heaven. We get out of his will when we begin pursuing anything other than glorifying him and building his kingdom. These are the two things we have all been created to do. What is more important to you than building the kingdom of God? Have you noticed in the pursuit of your own dreams and desires you are often stressed out and unsettled? That's a long way from the perfect peace God promises. It's because our own pursuits are selfish and not aligned with God's will. He gave you amazing gifts and passions, not to pursue your own purposes, but rather for glorifying him and building his kingdom. When you are seeking his kingdom first, you will find using your gifts for him results in the peace you have been seeking, rather than the longing and frustration you've experienced otherwise. The choice is yours, and it's quite simple. Stay in God's will and find perfect peace, knowing he will keep you close or step outside his will and see if you can do better on your own. I think we all know how that story ends. Let's pray. God, we thank you that the issues we face in this life are not a surprise to you. The circumstances that surround us and sometimes bury us, God, they don't catch you off guard. And Lord, even though we may feel stressed and worried and anxious in our flesh, in the human part of us, God, we are so grateful and we thank you right now that you have provided a way that we don't have to experience that. God, that we can come to you with thanksgiving. We can make our requests known to you. We can tell you what we need and we can thank you for all that you've done and for all that you're going to do. And when we do, God, the promise of your word is that you will replace that anxiety with peace. That peace would not just be for a moment, but God, it would protect us from anxiety and fear and worry. And Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us to be inoculated against that, a tool of the enemy. God, that you would protect us from anxiety and worry. 
Lord, I pray that if there's anybody hearing this message right now, that they are buried by worry. They are dealing with anxiety on a full-time basis. Lord, I pray that you would call them to a renewed season of prayer, that they would spend time with you and your presence would wash over them and they would feel a freedom that they haven't felt in weeks or months or even years. God, I pray that you would deliver people from anxiety and worry right now in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you would replace that with your supernatural, perfect peace that goes beyond our ability to understand it. And God, as we obey you, God, replace that with peace and let us now be able to go out and help others who are trapped and in bondage to the same thing that we used to be. Lord, I pray that you would help us through our circumstances. God, help us to trust in you as we go through them. And Lord, I ask that through it all, you would be glorified. God, let us be more concerned with your kingdom and your plans and what you want to accomplish than our own. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And as we do, God, I pray that you would transform us. Let there be a supernatural, miraculous work that takes place in each one of our lives as we bring this to you in prayer. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.